1: Whatever you do, do not throw a snowball at me, please, okay? Do not throw a snowball, because my luck, it would end up hitting the eye, and we go through all that nonsense again. Anyway, uh, welcome. It is uh, Bowerly on whose Radio 930 WBEN. Josh Schmidt is at Master Control, and uh, we have a bit of a journey for you today. We're going to do a lot of different stuff, but... I know how many of you are into the law enforcement and crime affecting you in your neighborhood subject. And we have uh, brought this gentleman on before the Erie County District Attorney is John Flynn as we move along. Our telephone number on WBEN is 803-0930. That's 803-0930. Star 930 is free on the cell phone and 1-800-616-WBEN. Those are the phone numbers. Just one cautionary note, though. I'll save, John, the uh, aggravation of going through this. Because he is district attorney, he is not able to comment on specific cases that are uh, going on right now. Obviously, there are some prominent cases, and we can address the general. Realities of those, but in terms of uh, individual situations, uh, there's just so much he can say, and frankly, I don't want him to feel uncomfortable because I like to prevail on him every four, five months to come down to the radio station. Uh, John Flynn, DA, Erie County, good to see you once again in studio.
2: Good afternoon, Tom. Thank you. And especially... Uh, and later, your last comment there, uh, I especially can't comment on if it's your particular case as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even ask you about that uh, off the air. Uh, well, I mean, no, I'm not charged with anything. We should probably point that out. Um, all right. First of all, the uh, uh, I was thinking about you a few weeks ago because the, uh, the monster who committed the Mass Act of Racist Terrorism in May in Buffalo, New York, and I do not use his name. I don't think I've ever said his name. Uh, there were some complaints uh, because he was all cleaned up and some, uh, some people were basically suggesting that uh, because he was white, he got special treatment as opposed to one of our black brothers and sisters. Can you please uh, tell us what the deal is as far as the cleanup of of any uh, suspect or any individual at the Bar of Justice?
2: Sure. So anyone at the holding center uh, has a right to a haircut uh, for their appointment in court. And so it's a standard practice by defense attorneys. Uh, to get their clients cleaned up. Now, not again. Not all defense attorneys uh, utilize this, and not, not all defense attorneys make it a point to tell their client, "Hey, make sure that you get a haircut. Um, you know, clean up, take a shower, shave, and look good." And so, you know, again, I, I I understand the criticism, but you know, it's just a. It's quite frankly, Tom, a typical defense attorney tactic to get their client cleaned up and everyone has equal opportunity to use the shower facilities to shave and to get a haircut.
1: And is that something that is uh, initiated by the defense attorneys or can the suspect uh, ask for it himself or herself it, how, how does that work it, the mechanics of it?
2: Either one. Uh so I mean normally The defense lawyer will tell their client, hey, make sure you clean up, make sure you take a shower, make sure you shave, make sure you get a haircut and you look presentable in court. And so the defendant then conveys what they've been told
1: by their lawyer to their guards. Uh, this this was not a, a jury situation but is, is there any uh, evidence any research that shows that better groomed defendants are more likely to either not be convicted or get leniency in sentencing not that there was any room in this particular case of course Yeah
2: I'm not I'm not sure if there's ever been any studies done on that to tell you the truth but I I think though from a from an optics standpoint it always looks better to have your client presentable and you're, you're doing it mainly for the judge because you know the judge is going is gonna say to him or herself perhaps that hey this individual respected the court enough, respected me enough, respected the process enough to um, to clean up and come looking good And so it's all it's all to make the judge think that you care about, Um, What's what what is in front
1: of you? We're talking with Erie County D.A. John Flynn on News Radio 930 WBEN 803-0930, Star 930 and 1-800- 616-WBEN. I know that this question is going to come up, so I might as well be the one to ask it. When we talk about the haircuts and the grooming of somebody, is that done? Do you contract out for that, or is there a barber on staff? Uh, who who foots the bill for it is going to be something people want to know.
2: Well, the, the, the county's going to fit the bill for it. I, I know that, all right? Now, whether or not they have um, a a you know are someone who's employed by the county who actually cuts the hair or if they contract out that I don't specifically know but I know at the end of the day um, the county's gonna pay for it now it may it may come out of your commissary funds uh, to a certain extent but um, don't quote me on that for sure
1: you know there' mm. uh, uh, this this might be a question better opposed uh, to uh, Sheriff Garcia. But one of the things that uh, was shocking and alarming to me was to find out a few months ago that certain individuals um, were actually sending or trying to send the defendant in the Topps case. Uh, they were trying to send him food mm-hmm. through some of the food delivery companies. Um, first of all, I, I think that is just absolutely sick. Talk about choosing the wrong heroes. But uh, what what is the policy? Um, I, I know you're the DA and not yeah, no. the sheriff, but but what what is the policy when it comes to outside food deliveries to people being held? Not allowed,
2: <laughs> not, no. not not allowed at all. And we, we actually took it a step further, uh, and we uh, you know went down the rabbit hole to to a certain degree to find out who was sending him food, uh, and to find out if you know any of these vi- individuals uh, you know had any of the awful views that he had, um, and whether or not any of these individuals perhaps may be involved in any uh, activities uh, that were illegal. Uh, so um, not, not only uh, did we take that very seriously, but like I said, we actually did a little bit of investigative work to find out who some of these individuals were.
1: Uh, Can you talk about the cooperation that you have uh, had to use with the federal authorities in terms of this particular case? It's been seven months and that uh, stain on the area and uh, the sorrow in our hearts is still very, very pronounced. The
2: the cooperation literally could not have been any better. And I, and I, I say that from literally the top on down, um, and, and the top being, you know, the, the Attorney General of the United States, uh, Merrill Garland himself. Uh, I, um, uh, you know, I, I happen to be in Washington, D.C. Um, in my role as a president of the National District Attorney's Association. Um, I was at a meeting at the Department of Justice, uh, and uh, Attorney General Garland made it a point to come talk to me and, and uh, talk about this case. The deputy attorney general, Lisa Monica, did the same thing. Uh, And then the head of the criminal division as well. Um, Also, uh, I actually met with him in in his office. Uh, And, you know, uh, we talked about everything, you know, about the the, the great cooperation that we had and the great partnership from a local level. uh, Our U.S. attorney, Trini Ross, uh, has been. Um, working with me from day one, uh, the head of the FBI, um, uh, who was with us, boots on the ground, literally in the Tops parking lot uh, on that day, uh, May 14th, uh, has been just tremendous. And, and the FBI has been tremendous, not only from an investigative standpoint, but they came in after this uh, and were instrumental in services to the victims and their families uh the the whole resiliency center that we have now over there on on the east side of buffalo all those services that are out of the resiliency center the fbi came in and basically got us up and running within days after this tragedy so again I, i cannot say enough about the cooperation that we've gotten from the department of justice the attorney general himself and his entire staff
1: we're talking with Erie County DA John Flynn on News Radio 930 WBEN. I know that we've uh, talked about this before, but uh, you were there that day, as you put it, uh, boots on the ground. Um, what kind of a lasting impact has what you witnessed that day had on John Flynn?
2: The, the sheer volume of bodies. Uh, was definitely the la- most lasting impact that I've had. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, when, when I, when I first, uh, not first, but when I came back to Buffalo after, after my second tour in the Navy, uh, after law school, I, I went on active duty as a JAG officer. And I, I came back in 2001. And I, I got a job actually as an assistant DA in the Erie County district attorney's office. And, um, I was in the Homicide Bureau. So I I had personally prosecuted homicides back in 2001 and 2002. And, you know, I I saw some bad stuff back then. Uh, You know, when when you personally prosecute these homicides, you see bad things and it has a lasting impact on you. But you never prepare yourself for 10 bodies uh, and you never prepare yourself for just the mass mass tragedy uh that happened and, and so uh you know the the the, the number of bodies obviously is going to stick out of my mind and just you know the 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 sheer number of people who were kind of standing along around the perimeter of the tops parking lot uh when the law enforcement had made a perimeter there and they, and they just the people that were standing around the the, the makeshift perimeter and you know just a the, the, the sadness in their eyes from from people crying to people just in shock. Uh, you know th- just the, 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 the outpouring of grief amongst the people who were standing around that makeshift barricade with the the, the, the bodies that were in the parking lot still and in the store at a time uh, the, the whole the whole scene is is never I'm, I'm never gonna forget it, obviously.
1: Now, what kind of an effect uh, has it had on the people in in your office? Maybe they weren't on the scene that day, but they've had to look at the photographs. They've had yeah. to consider the evidence. Uh, what what does that do to the people who have to deal with that? I mean, you you can never get used to it. No, you can never get used to it. Uh, uh,
2: and, and if you do get used to it, then you probably should find another line of work. Quite frankly, because you want you want to have, you, I I want my people who who pro- prosecute homicide cases to to have the emotional attachment to the deceased Uh, because, you know, again, when I, like I, you know, back in uh, 2001, when I first started doing this, um, an an old homicide detective from the Buffalo police department told me that, you know, you speak for the dead uh, when you're prosecuting homicides. Yes. There's going to be a family members uh, and, and know neighborhoods and communities that are affected by homicides, but you, you first and foremost speak for the dead. Uh, And so, all my homicide prosecutors, you know, had that mentality. And, and again, you you live it and breathe it. I mean, th- this case got done, Tom, very quickly. Obviously, I mean, I mean, you, it, it's very rare that you have a homicide get resolved within a year. Uh, and you know, th- this was six months. And so, obviously, this was a unique set of circumstances. And the the defendant again you know who whose name i will not speak either the, the the defendant is also facing federal charges and so uh you know when you're facing state charges and you're facing federal charges and you are you are eligible for the death penalty uh you know again it was obviously you know in his interest i'm presuming I, i've never talked to talk, talk to this individual nor well, hopefully I, I never will um, Uh, You know, he he obviously, I'm presuming, wanted to resolve the state case sooner rather than later uh, in order to uh, focus on saving his own life. Um, And so this got done very quickly. uh, And for six months, um, you know, I had a four person prosecutorial team along with other members of my staff who were helping the victims out they lived and breathed this for six months um, and so it obviously has ha- had a great impact on them
1: um, how do you balance this because uh, obviously as you said you speak for the dead in a homicide situation your office speaks for the dead um, so you said you you do want to have some emotional connection to it and never forget for whom you are working. On the other hand, it can be a very overwhelming um, burden to carry the things that you have to see, the evidence you have to go over. How do you strike the balance there?
2: Well, I'm I'm a big believer in wellness in my office. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, th- th- this is not just a problem for. For prosecutors, it's a problem for law enforcement in general. I mean, it's probably quite frankly more of a problem for law enforcement because they're they're the first ones on the scene, and and they they literally see the bodies in the in the in the form that they are immediately after after uh, they're they're shot. Um, And so, it is much more of a traumatic situation for law enforcement uh, in in general and officers uh, who who are are on our streets every day, Uh, but it still obviously impacts uh, prosecutors as well nationwide. And, you know, in my role as president of the National DA Association, we have established a a wellness committee um, nationwide to help prosecutors uh, deal with stress, um, uh, you know, and DAs all across the country. And I've tried to implement, and I try, I have implemented, uh, you know, the same here in Erie County where uh, I've got a wellness committee in my office. Um, you know, we, we just, you know, we look out for people in my office. We look out for their mental health. We look, we look for signs for PTSD um, and we address them. Um, and so, you know, you do what you can a- a- as the leader of an organization to ensure that your people um, are well both physically and mentally uh and you just you know you you just try to do your best every day um but at some point you know people do get burned out uh at some point people have enough and they you know they move on to a different job they retire whatever but again i I totally understand it uh and and it it, you know it's a problem all across the country and you know different wellness programs that we have we, we just try to um to, to balance it out, like you said, and, and make, make make it make it as best as
1: possible. Just a question for you about the the situation with uh, Erie County. Um, under the Erie County Sheriff's Department, it is responsible for 24-7, 365, keeping this individual under surveillance to make sure that this individual does not do harm to himself. What I've been trying to figure out is – this individual faces federal charges. So why are the Erie County taxpayers and why is the Erie County sheriff on the hook for making sure that this individual does no harm to himself?
2: So for right now, in the immediate future, um, his case is not technically over in the state. Um, He has not been sentenced yet. Now, like I said, after the guilty verdict, his his sentence is actually a pre-gone conclusion, okay, because, you know, he, he pled guilty to the state domestic terrorism charge motivated by hate, and that charge carries an automatic life without parole in prison, all right? So unlike most cases that we have in the office, I mean, unlike pretty much all of them, to tell you the truth, um, his, his sentence in reality is predetermined, uh, but it hasn't happened yet. It's not going to happen until February, uh, and so... Uh, In between the guilty plea and the sentencing, he's still under the state umbrella, uh, technically. Now, once he is sentenced in February, uh, at that point... Um, the state and the federal government are going to have, well, they're actually having conversations right now to talk about what's going to happen in February. So uh, I presume they're going to have this kind of worked out by February. And then, you know, the the State Department of Correction officials and the federal officials uh, like I said, they'll be in consultation, and you know they'll, they'll work out an arrangement. But right now, the county taxpayers are paying for it.
1: We are in studio with Erie County DA John Flynn on News Radio nine thirty W B E N. And uh, if you weren't listening earlier, uh, the answer to the question, "Well, how come the suspect in the Tops terror attack? How come he was allowed to get himself all spiffed up?" Every defendant has equal access to a barber. Uh, and to uh, to hygiene and things like that. So it was not a special uh, circumstance in terms of you know, this. He, he didn't receive anything uh, special uh, because of uh, the way he looks or the color of his skin or, or anything like that. It's the same for everybody across the board. Um, stay with us on News Radio 930 WBEN. Erie County DA John Flynn is with us. Our uh, phone number is 803 0930 star 930 on the cell phone, 1 800 616 WBEN. You may have questions. Uh, this might be a listening show. That's fine either way. Um, we could probably talk for about five hours and uh, barely scratch the surface. Stay with us on News Radio 930 WBEN. Coming up, um, what? job do you think is very very difficult in terms of recruiting right now and before you say every one of them tom stay listening for the answer on news radio 930 wben call from mom answer it call silenced
0: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy
1: All right, we are delighted once again to have John Flynn in studio. He is the district attorney of Erie County. A lot of things to talk about. Uh, you can sit back and listen to the show. That's cool. That's what you guys did last time, but you still liked it. Uh, if you have questions, you can certainly call in 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. I want to get back to the situation with the uh, terror attack in May Um, At tops and the federal charges um, are coming up. One of the things, John, that I'm trying to figure out, and I don't know to what extent you can comment on this, but uh, a lot of people want the individual who committed this heinous act of terror to be put to death. However, my understanding is that this administration has put uh, has has ruled out previously, well before this attack took place, use of the death penalty in federal cases. Do you have any inside knowledge of uh, what's going on here with the death penalty or the possibility that this uh, animal could be put down?
2: Yeah, I do not, Tom. I uh, uh, as I think everyone knows, uh, the state of New York does not have the death penalty, and so. Uh, I was able to get the, uh, the you know the highest charge with that with with the highest punishment, which is life without parole in New York. So there is no death penalty in New York at all in our state system. Uh, so again, I, I was not even able to entertain that aspect. Uh, the 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 federal government now and their, and their prosecution um, uh, has the decision to make on whether or not they are going to pursue that, and I have not had any conversation with anyone at all um and i've actually you know kind of said to myself and other people that uh, you know i'm not going to weigh in on that at all because i, I don't I, I you know i'll stay in my own lane i, I don't want to be perceived as Pressuring anyone to do one thing or the other. Uh, so again, I I I just can't comment on that. But I, I can comment from a general sense that um,
1: uh, I have not had any conversation with with anyone about it at all. Uh, in, in in a in a general sense, uh, leaving this particular situation mm-hmm. out of the mix. In a general sense, what are your thoughts on the death penalty and whether uh, we ought to have a death penalty either as a punitive measure or as a deterrent measure or possibly both or possibly neither.
2: Well, I'm, I'm conflicted about it in the sense that the, the, the studies have shown uh, that there really is not a deterrent factor um, in the death penalty, uh, that that it, 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 it's funny, the not, I shouldn't say funny, it's not funny, but, but the most individuals who commit a crime, their main concern is... Is getting caught and having bail put on them. All right, they're not. They're not really thinking about or concerned about the long-term consequences. And and studies, quite frankly, have shown that. All right, so individuals really are not are not thinking long-term when it comes to. Um, uh, their punishment, whether it's life in prison, uh, 10 years in prison, uh, or or the death penalty. They're, they're more concerned with the immediacy and one, getting caught, and two, whether or not they're going to get out on bail or not, all right? And so, you know, there really is no, um, you know, deterrent factor here. Uh, on top of that, the, the way that the system is now it takes so long for someone to execute uh, uh, someone and, and to be executed that there is appeal after appeal after appeal. The, the cost to the taxpayers is enormous. The cost of grief to the families, the victims who have to go through appeal after appeal after appeal Is heart wrenching. And and so, again, you know, I I don't, at the end of the day, uh, from a general 30,000 feet standpoint, I don't know whether or not the death penalty. Um, uh, is it a turn or not, or whether or not from a societal standpoint, it's worth the cost and the aggravation. Now that's on the one hand, on the other hand, you know, you say to yourself, um, my gosh, um, uh, you know, at some point, if some individual, and again, I'm I'm putting this case aside, but, um, if some individual does something so heinous, um, what 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 should happen to that person? And so here, it, 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 it's a conversation that um, needs to be had. Um, but you know for me, um, I, I'm the on a state level um, and we can't do it so um, it, it's, it's a conversation that quite frankly I, I never have or have no need to
1: have. You, do you have any problem morally with uh, uh, the state any state putting somebody to death for a, a heinous act of which that person's been convicted? Yes. Um,
2: I do to a certain extent. I mean, I, obviously, my my Catholicism is, is very strong. Um, I um, I'm a you know, like I said, practicing Catholic, um, and you know, I um, from a moral standpoint, uh, I I do have a problem with it. Um, but you know, again, if if I'm the chief law enforcement officer. Uh, you know, I need to follow the the, the laws of, of of the state or or, or the federal government uh, that, that that I'm that, that I'm in. And you know, if, if I was if I was in a situation uh, where I had to uh, make that decision, you know, let, let's say for example, New York had the death penalty, uh, and I and I had to make that decision, then the decision for me would be: Do I? Um, you know, put aside my moral issues and do my job, or do I or do I just not pursue this job um, and do something else? Because uh, at the end of the day, uh, I try not to go against my my, my morals, um, and so that would be a difficult decision for me. And I, I'm not sure what I would do. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest with you, Tom, here, I, I, I would probably not do the job, um, and, and because I, I I don't I I put my my personal beliefs um, uh, and my Catholicism is what's the most important to me um and so i probably i probably would, would just pass it a job and do something else
1: we're talking with erie county da john flynn on news radio 930 wben uh, john they uh actually we were running some ads here uh, on the radio station they're paid uh, advertisements about the uh the arson attack uh, at uh, compass care and people being very people at Compass Care being very disappointed with law enforcement uh, with this situation, whether it's the Amherst police, mm-hmm. whether it's the feds as the district attorney of Erie County. Do you play any role in that particular crime or is that a federal matter?
2: No, no, I, I'm involved in it as well. Um, and we you know we're, we're working with our federal partners and and the Amherst police Um you know, again, I, I can't specifically talk about this case right here because it's still under investigation, but I, I can answer your question this way. In, in some cases, you have to look harder for clues. In some cases, the we were, we were talking off air a little bit about putting together a puzzle. In, in some puzzles are more difficult to put together than others. Uh, you know, again... If you're talking about a kindergarten five-piece, big-piece puzzle, yeah, we can put that together uh, pretty easily. Uh, Other cases are, you know, 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzles where it takes a while to put together. Um, And so, you know, any time you have a case out there that is – two, three, four, five months old. And I, I, I have a number of them. I, I, I'm, I, I'm catching a little criti- criticism about um, the, uh, the, 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 the UB case uh, that we had recently where, where an individual was stabbed. Um, and you know, people are screaming, why hasn't that case been solved yet? What, what's the problem? Trust me, there's a reason, okay? There, there's a reason why cases go three, four, five months long. And that's because either A, we haven't solved it yet, B, we can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law um, uh, the case against the individual. Um, or three, we just have no idea who it is. Um, and so,
1: you know, that, that, that that's what happens. With with the Compass Care situation, why not release any surveillance tapes? Wouldn't it be helpful to get clues from the public?
2: Well, it depends. Um, you know, I, I you know, it depends on a case-by-case basis on whether or not you release um, uh, surveillance tapes or photographs. Uh, and again, I, I, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, talk specifically about what what decisions have been made in this case. But I can assure you that anything that has been gleaned from any piece of uh, of, of investigative information that we've obtained in this case. Um, Someone is going down that rabbit hole. Trust me.
1: You know, I want to talk uh, a little bit about uh, surveillance footage. Uh, we see it all the time in the uh, oxygen crime shows mm-hmm. and all the uh, shows on TV the uh, I would imagine that uh, when it comes to surveillance footage, on the one hand, it's a blessing because you see things and you can actually prove people's locations and what they were doing at a certain time. On the other hand, the manpower that is required to go through hours and hours and hours, camera after camera after camera, has got to be staggering from the investigative standpoint. It is. Uh,
2: it, it's staggering from uh, a prosecutorial standpoint because, you know, all... You know, you, you, you sh- sometimes you have multiple officers show up at a scene, a crime scene, and every officer now has their body cam footage on. Uh, you know, my people have to go through all of that body cam video and edit out information that we don't want shared with the defense lawyers, all right? Now, again, I say that from the standpoint of, you know, we have to give the defense lawyers all the evidence, all the discovery, but... If there if there is a say a confidential informant that is in the photograph or on someone's body cam, obviously we're not going to turn that over. If there is a child that's in the background, all right, we're not going to disclose the, the identity of a child who may be a witness or who may be around. So the 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 the, the hours, uh, uh, the manpower hours are just tremendous when you are going through all the body cam video. But like you said, um, it is a it is a big. Investigative t- uh, tool, and it has you know with all the, with all the the video that's out in society right now, it does help us solve a lot of crimes. But a lot of times though, the picture is grainy and you can't see the face of the actual individual who's who's committing the crime. So it helps you from a certain extent, but it's not its not the end-all and be-all.
1: Well, how about the idea that uh, during COVID, we got used to seeing people in public wearing masks, and a lot of oh, the video I've seen lately, the people are wearing masks. Uh, you know, obviously, the, the hoodie is a big one, but uh, people wearing masks, and nobody thinks twice about somebody wearing a mask in public now.
2: Absolutely, and if someone's got a mask on, you can't identify them. Um, I, I, we've, we've had that in a number of cases over the past three years, where we have video, we have footage, but someone has a mask on, and we can't identify them.
1: Uh, We're talking with Erie County DA John Flynn, who, by the way, is also president of the National DA's Association. Let's talk about recruiting. John, in the late 1980s, um, there was a boom in the number of people taking exams to become police officers, whether it was at the federal level, the state level, the local level, and corrections officers. Now, like many other areas of work, can, can you talk about how difficult it is in law enforcement to recruit and why? Yes, it,
2: it's, uh, it's extremely difficult. It's becoming uh, an, an actual crisis now in, in our country. Uh, and again, th- this... This covers officers from all walks in law enforcement again, you know, now that I, now that you you mentioned this here i I think before when I was talking about guarding this individual uh, at the holding center i I referred to the sheriff's deputies as guards and i that that was wrong on me they're they're they're, they're sheriff's deputies they they're officers they're they're not guards all right, and so i I apologize for using the word guards, but uh officers everywhere in law enforcement the numbers and the retirements have gone down dramatically and and we are seeing this all across the country it has it has also now over, overflown now and spilled over into DA's offices across the country now fortunately here in Erie County I I am I'm fully staffed but the I was at a, I was at a state conference uh, last week, and the DA of Onondaga County was telling me that he has fifty assistant DAs assigned to his office, and only a staff of thirty-two. He's down eighteen assistant DAs. Uh, another another uh, a DA from a small county who only has five or six officers, a uh, 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 DAs assigned to him. Uh, he's down three. He's down half his office um, in New York City. They have the bureaus in New York City, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens. They all have like four or five hundred ADAs who work in the office. Um, at one point, one of the bureaus that I was talking about, I don't, want, I don't want to dime them out, but one of them, they were down 50 out of 400. Um, so they were down 25 percent of their office. Um, it, it is becoming a huge problem. And. You know, I I, I don't I don't definitively know what the reason uh, for it is. Uh, I I have some theories. I I believe that the whole um, defund the police movement uh, that was percolating, uh, you know, two two years ago uh, during the the summer of 2020, uh, that that has spilled over now where law enforcement is considered. You know, the bad guys uh, and the prosecutors are considered the bad guys now, which couldn't be any further from the truth. Obviously, what happened to George Floyd, um, that officer was a bad guy. There's no doubt about that at all, all right? And so I'm never going to back away from saying that that officer was a bad guy. But that, that doesn't mean that every law enforcement officer is a bad guy or girl because they're not. Um, the, the, the the vast majority, overwhelming majority um, are good people who go to work every day and protect us each and every day. And we, we as a society can't forget that. Um, and so this whole anti-law enforcement, anti-police, defund the police um, hasn't helped. And like I said, it's it spilled over in the DA's offices. Uh, I also think uh, that, um, you know, Coming out of COVID and during COVID, some of the, the younger people, the, the millennials, and I'm kind of an expert in this because I've got five children between the ages of 18 and 33. So I'm an expert in this category of young people, all right? Um, they, a lot of them want to work from home. They want it, you know. You can't work from home being a police officer, Uh, you know. There's no working from home, and 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 being a being a DA or 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 an assistant DA, there's no working from home. You got to come to work because I need you in court. Um, And so, we, you know, there's a lot of reasons probably for this. um, But you know, we we got to do something about it. Whether it's um, recruiting. Giving them more money, which I believe that all law enforcement officers deserve and need, as well as you know, people who work for me. Um, you know, we we, we got to figure this out quick.
1: We're talking with Erie County DA John Flynn on News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, John, I don't know. Uh, do you, do you want to hang out with us for another half hour or do you have to get back to the office? Okay. I'm going to put it in your court. I can stay as long as you want, buddy. All right, well, all right. We'll have you till six o'clock. Sure. I'm no, 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 I'm
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't bought one Christmas gift yet, so at some point I got to get out there. Oh, good grief!
1: You know, there's this thing called Amazon. I'm just saying. Uh, 803-0930, the phone number. John Flynn uh, is uh, going to be with us till about three uh, thirty this afternoon on News Radio nine thirty W B E N. Uh, if you have a question, you—I uh, mean, I've got. Uh, bunch of questions I haven't even gotten to yet. Uh, but you can send me an email, tom at wben.com, tom at wben.com. After 3.30, we will uh, get into some other things. Uh, but we're going to continue talking about uh, uh, the DA's office crime in Western New York. We haven't really touched upon uh, cashless bail. We haven't really talked about homicide closure rates uh, in the city. There are a whole bunch of things we haven't even begun to cover on News Radio 930 WBEN, but I know that many of you uh, uh, enjoy. Uh, listening to what's going on in the world of uh, law enforcement and the da's office and we shall continue after the news at three o'clock on news radio 930 w b e n
0: we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof